Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name's Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And for the latest instalment in our Throwback Thursday series, it is the 2008 Carling Cup semi-final second leg at White Hart Lane where Tottenham Hotspur beat Arsenal 5-1. Now, obviously, I have a lot to say about this game, but before I start, Jason, from an Arsenal point of view, what are your memories of this match? Um, Well, I'm just going to caveat now to be nice that um, I always blamed the fact that, oh, Arsenal put out a relaxed lineup and it was all the youth and it wasn't, you know, it was a lucky win and it was in the, the Mickey Mouse Cup and all of that. The truth is, our team had enough quality in there in terms of the whole squad to to, to get one over Tottenham. Um, you'd think that a semi-final of a cup would be enough motivation, especially when the club hadn't won anything for a good three years by then. Um, but all my memories are just tragic, to be honest, of this game. Um I can't really remember watching the whole thing. I just remember the moment, just that that five-on scoreline is imprinted in my head, and obviously the reactions from the Spurs fan and uh, fans rather. And I've I've never really heard the end of it um, for what's that now? Twelve years <laughs> from you, probably specifically. Um, so yeah, lots to say. I mean, I I would say that you know the goals were decent. From Spurs, but I do think, in my usual Arsenal bias fashion, most of them could be uh, prevented. So I think Fabianski had a lot to, to, to be blamed for, and the defence, um, and then a bit of civil war within our um, within our own team during that game, which I'm sure we'll go into between um, a few of the players, uh, two of which ended up at Spurs, funnily enough. <laughs> um, and I also have a, I have a, I have an end comment to talk about, but I'll bring that up as and when because you, I'm sure you won't be happy, but it is something that uh, I do want to bring up regarding this game. But um, no, I'm happy to to let you take the lead as the uh, this is your choice of game. I never wanted to revisit it again, but uh, hopefully this is this can really be the last time I hear of it at least uh, at least on this podcast. Yeah, this has been the one I've been waiting for when we started doing these throwbacks. This is the one I've been been building up to you because it really really was the sort of first glory glory night that I experienced as a Spurs fan and I think it was the first time in nine years that we'd beat Arsenal I think our our previous victory over you before this was in 1999 so this was really the first victory over Arsenal that I got to experience properly for myself as a football fan and in a way retrospectively it almost could own that 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 voodoo of not being able to beat Arsenal could only have been lifted in such a dramatic way. It's like the longer you hold something down, the you know the bigger the release when it finally happens. And from the first few minutes when Jermaine Genus put us 1-0 ahead with this brilliant surging run from midfield and then shot that goes in off the post, even at the time, part of me already cynical as a young Spurs fan thinking, oh, maybe we've scored too early. We, we were 1-0 up in, in the first leg at the Emirates but didn't win it. But from that very first goal, from the very first minute, something felt different about that night. The atmosphere in the stadium, even though I was watching at home on TV, it was it was coming through off the TV screen, the sound, the way the team were playing. They looked up for it. And I'm glad that you admitted and you said that it was a, a stronger Arsenal team than, than perhaps you would have said at the time because this was the period when Wenger was playing the kids in the cup and it was the excuse that was tried out by the Arsenal fans at the time that it wasn't a full-strength team. But I think even if you had had 
a stronger team out, I feel like it would have been a similar result. Just something felt like it was in the air that night that this was the game where Tottenham were finally going to beat Arsenal, get to that cup final and, and really get rid of that sense of uh, inferiority that, that they had in, in relation to their rivals. And the second goal, element of fortune with, with Bentner, it, with it being an own goal. But you have to say, actually, it's a very good header from Bentner. When you look at the uh, the slow motion replay from one angle, if, if he had been just heading it towards his own goal, you would have said that was a fantastic header and a fantastic goal. It's just unfortunate that he was doing it in the wrong net. I remember everybody ran up towards Michael Dawson at the time. But I think that following so quickly on the footsteps from the first goal really cemented what was happening that night. And then it wasn't until the second half that we got the third goal with Robbie Keane and then eventually the fourth with Aaron Lennon. But it really could have been more than five, I think, on the night as well is is something that people forget, such was the dominance. And the the previous episode, we talked about your 3-1 victory in the league at White Hart Lane. And this happened in the same season, but the contrast and the difference, and obviously it was Ramos on the sidelines instead of Yol. And watching these highlights back compared to the 3-1, we just seemed so much more ruthless, so much more better organised. And even though things ultimately ended quite on a quite a sour note with one day Ramos, when you look at this, and obviously you know what we went on to do in the final, you think, you know, I remember at the time thinking, wow, we finally got our own Arsene Wenger, a manager who's going to, you know, bring us to the top and, and win trophies for us. He'd won UEFA, UEFA Cups with Sevilla. He'd won every cup final he was in. Obviously, we won the cup final after this. And it did seem like we'd been transformed. Obviously, uh, it didn't turn out to be that way. It was another false dawn. But yeah, going back to, to this match specifically, it just seemed like what Ramos was doing it was having an impact on us. And even though Keenan Berbatov were kind of our star players at the time, it seemed like a true team performance. Jermaine Genus pulling the strings, Malbronk got a goal, Lennon got a goal. It seemed like every player kind of did their bit. Um, but it wasn't until, I'd say, the fourth goal with Aaron Lennon where it really felt like we'd won. Even though we were tuning up at half-time, there was part of you that still felt like this is this is Tottenham Hotspur, we could still throw this away. But when the fourth goal goes in with Lennon, I think that's the moment when everyone realises what's happening and you can see it with the celebrations people hugging random strangers Adebayor pulls a goal back but and normally that would be a situation where the Spurs fans start to be nervous but it was that rare moment where Arsenal scoring didn't create any sense of nervousness because it just felt like the game was settled and then obviously Mabronk put the icing on the cake with the fifth goal in terms of looking at all five goals I think the Lennon one probably is my favourite the way the I can't remember who it is, but someone tries to pass to him. He just misses it. And then I think Robbie Keane plays plays it back to him. He controls it in a right foot bottom corner because I just think that was the moment when we knew that we were running away with it. Um, and I think in terms of man of the match, Jermaine Genus is someone who really stands out here. He gets the opening goal. It's his free kick that, that Bentner puts in the net to make it 2-0. He puts it on a plate for Malbronk for the fifth as well. And I think this is one of those games where you remember what a good player Jermaine Genus actually was in his prime. And I, when I, in the highlights video I watched, someone in the YouTube comments compared him to Deli Alley, and he does have a little bit of that about him in this game, the way he moves across the pitch, the way he passes the ball. And I remember actually Ramos brought Berbatov and Keane off as substitutes with 20-odd minutes to go. When you see Malbronk put the fifth goal in, Keane and Berbatov are by the bench celebrating, and that almost seemed like 
you know, a statement from him that he was able to take off our two best goal scorers that early, you know, relatively early into the game and still see it through. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could, I could just talk forever about this game and, and my fond memories of it. I remember immediately then playing the Chaz and Dave song, um, <laughs> Spurs are off to Wembley because they beat the Arsenal, which was a song they did for the FA Cup final in 91 after we'd beaten Arsenal in, in that semi-final. Um, and I remember the next day at school as well, I think we had like tech or something the, the next morning and I'd set my desktop background as the, the White Hart Lane scoreboard saying Tottenham 5, Arsenal 1. And I seem to remember, Jason, you came in a bit later than usual to school the next day. I don't know whether you were not wanting to come in and face the, the grilling that, as you say, I gave you not just that day, for, but for the many years following that. <laughs> I'm sure I wanted to miss the registration period, so no one yeah. would to me. I wanted to go. I, th- I know my my uh, my default in those sort of situations to say sorry. I'm in class now. I'm concentrating. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I did at break time or lunch time. I probably did like a like a Mean Girls sit in the bathroom with my tray and had had lunch. But uh, yeah, I, think- I don't think it was a. It wasn't my finest day. I can tell you that. I remember as well my sister calling me on her mobile to tell me to like be quiet because I was making too much noise celebrating and she was trying to like do homework or something and I think as well I think even I spoke to you at half time maybe when it was when we were two nil up but I we definitely didn't speak at full time I think there was radio silence from the the Phillips household at full time. I'm sure I got a call from uh, one of your family members saying uh has Jason there and I I was like no he's not there he's uh (laughs) He's retired. <laughs> They've sent him back to England. Um, and yeah, obviously what made it even funnier from a Spurs perspective was, as you said, seeing Arsenal fall apart and start arguing amongst themselves. Yeah. But as you said, the t- two of the players involved in that did end up playing for Tottenham. And to be fair to Adebayor, he does score another brilliant goal. Again, probably one of the best goals he scored at White Hart Lane, even despite the fact that he played for Spurs for a few years. And it's unbelievable why he didn't start in that, what arguably on paper, one of the most important games of the season. You know, why you've got Nicholas Bentner, who you'll laugh at this, but that goal you mentioned, that it was a really good goal. I saw that when I watched that goal back, I always thought that was a Bentner goal. I thought that was a Bentner goal that was used in Arsenal compilations <laughs> in the Emirates. I just, I've seen that before. And then when I realised it was an own goal, I thought, oh my God, what have I been doing? And it kind of sums up Bentner, you know, never uh, never quite uh, the hero that we'd expected him, him to be, especially that time when all our strikers were injured. He came back from low and we all thought, oh, well, at least now he might do something. And he was still even worse with the top knot and everything. It was, uh, it was an absolute disaster. And it doesn't surprise me, to be honest, why... Uh, that argument went on um, in public. I mean, they, they were all controversial in their own right because Gallas got involved as well um, with the argument. It, I, no, I can't find it anywhere. You can't find any footage of it, probably because it's violent conduct. But apparently they were, Adibayo and Bentner were pushing at the post and there was blood on Bentner's face suddenly and there was a headbutt somewhere. And then Gallas, finally trying to be a captain, kind of separated them and argued with Adibayo. And it's funny, apparently... Um, Adi Bayor had an interview with the Daily Mail in 2019 and he said that when Bentner was younger he was um, he had this attitude of kind of being above the law and so apparently he walked in 
the Arsenal dressing room. And there's a kind of unwritten policy. If you go to the training ground dressing room, you wear the Arsenal slippers, you don't wear your trainers. And he walked in and they had a massive argument as well. Um, and it just shows, you know, that that, uh, that was something that was bubbling over. But it just, again, it shows as being an ambassador to the, to the, ambassador to the club, um, you need to put those aside in front of your uh, consumers. And they, they couldn't do that for... Even after we were what what was it four uh, one down? Yeah, and it 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 did feel like that night that Arsenal just completely self destructed. And I wondered, do you think that you said about it? It's crazy to think Adebayor wasn't starting the game. I think that regardless of which team came out, the result would have been similar, at least in terms of a Spurs victory. Maybe it wouldn't have been quite as comprehensive. But do you look at this and think, oh, if only we put out a better team? we could have won that that night. And if so, do you think you could have even gone on and, and won the whole thing if you got to the final? I know there was an Arsenal-Chelsea Carling Cup final not that long before this. I, I think it was the last was season, the year before. before. Yeah, and that erupted. There was a big brawl at the end of that and Wenger and Mourinho ended up on the pitch. I wonder, do you think maybe Arsenal could have got their revenge over Chelsea had they got to the final? Or do you think, regardless, that this was Tottenham's year? I think it was the Arsenal mentality at the time where they really just weren't winners. But you look at that team and really Fabianski and Almunia or Minone all interchangeably as bad as each other at the time. Sanya was there. Potentially Clichy would have been better than Traore. Um, Gallus was fine. I mean, Hoyt, you know, he's a young guy. He wasn't, he never really made it at Arsenal. So um, you, could have, you could have said the defence and the, the goalkeeper could have, potentially change things but really the rest of the team I mean Kleb, Danielson, Silva and Diaby decent midfield Walcott and Bentner up front young but enough talent to do some damage um Eduardo Adibayo and Fabregas and Flamini could have could have done something um I, I'm always a little bit confused when you when you really don't want to play players you want to rest them but then you make them go through the whole match day routine you put all the big players on the bench some of them have to come on for a bit and it kind of reduces the amount of rest they actually get. So I just thought, you know, play them for 60 minutes rather, get some control of the game before taking them off um, or even taking them off at half time. But by then it was too late. And as you as you rightly point out, you know, Keenan Berbatov started the game and, um, and they made Arsenal pay. But, you know, apart from maybe, I think, Cherney rather than Robinson, that would have been an interesting one. I don't know who Lee is or really Taino. I mean they could have they could have been swapped. So really in a way the teams were as equal as each other. Um and um yeah I don't think it would have made a difference. I think uh, I don't think it was our year. I think Chelsea was certainly better than Spurs that year um in general. But you know Spurs it was their time to have some false hope and uh, I'm glad they had that false hope because they've had nothing since. Uh, I suppose when you when you look at each individual goal, obviously the, the first goal from, from Genus, it, it goes in off the post. You could argue there's a bit of fortune there. The second goal, obviously, it's an own goal. The third goal, Robbie Keane, it's a great strike from him, very instinctive. But you, you look at Fabianski and say, probably should have saved that. The fourth goal, I think, is just a, is a fantastic counter-attack. But at that point, Arsenal were putting so many men forward to try and get back into the game that that space had opened up for us. And then obviously the fifth goal is is a tap-in for, for Malbronk. Again, probably when Arsenal are, have nothing to lose and they're just throwing all their men forward. So when you look at each individual goal, it's probably there's 
not necessarily a, a standout goal in that it, you would put it on a, a highlights reel, but it was more the cumulative effect of, of the, the whole performance and all of the, you know, the, the fact that we'd scored five goals. And it seemed like each goal was the product of our superiority on the night rather than necessarily you picking out one of those goals and saying that they were a goal of the season contender. But when you look at the third goal, for example, do you think that's one where a better goalkeeper saves it? And maybe if, if you stop the third goal and Adebayor gets that consolation goal and it's 2-1 on the night instead of 4-1, then do you, do you look back at maybe that as the, the turning point moment from the Arsenal point of view? Absolutely. But I think you could even see it from the third minute. I mean, Genus must have been 40 yards off goal, run, uh, goal running with the whole back four facing him, all of the midfield three chasing him. And they couldn't even like stop him from getting backlift to shoot. It was unbelievable. The own goal is unfortunate, but the keen goal again, it's it's just so easy. Just our defenders are standing like statues waiting for it to happen. There's no strength from the keeper. Again, even the Lennon goal, as, as, as fine as a uh, approach play it was, it went through his legs, Fabianski, and it happened so many times with our keepers. They just weren't ready for it. Um, and it's always individual errors. Even uh, Gilberto, who in the last game we talked about was terrible as well um, and giving out mistakes, he was uh, he was the one who was nutmegged in the build-up to Mal Bronx goal. So, yeah, I mean, it was... It was uh, there were definitely no standout goals in that game. I would say that a stronger Arsenal team probably today wouldn't even remote, probably wouldn't concede uh, based on that performance. Um, but uh, I, I can't be too, I can't hold too much of a grudge. You know, it is what it is. It was, it was a sign of Wenger's decline very early on that he just didn't have the edge to put out the right team and have them in the right mentality uh, for a game of this magnitude. And it's interesting you talking about Wenger there. Obviously, I, I mentioned Ramos earlier. And it is funny to look back at this performance and see you know, what a big result it was and how much it meant at the time and, and how much it still means as a fond memory, but ultimately how not not futile because we did go on and, and win the trophy. But then to think that we went from, from this beating Arsenal 5-1 to then starting the next season with, with two points from eight games and how quickly things fell apart for Ramos and I'm sure he and I've read interviews where he points to losing the likes of Berbatov and Robert Keane and adequate replacements not coming in other people point towards the language barrier and him failing to establish that connection with with the players but you look at this performance and it, it and and this whole Carling Cup campaign and it did seem like it would be the first of many trophies for, for Tottenham under, under Ramos but we're we're still waiting to win another one. It's the last time that we won a trophy. And, I, you know, for me personally, I don't know whether other Spurs fans feel this way, but the, this, this semi-final win, I think, is a better memory than the actual final win. I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to see what other Spurs fans think, whether they, they have what they think was the better, more meaningful result. But I think this semi-final, because it was Arsenal, because it had been so long since we beat them, because it was 5-1, it's such a bigger moment than almost the final itself, which was almost more of a relief that we got over the line and we'd won against the Chelsea team who, as you say, were better than us. But the fact that we, we, we managed to not fluke it. I mean, I'm sure Chelsea fans would say it was a fluke the way we got that penalty and then the ball bounces off Woodgate and check and then off Woodgate again and goes in. 
Um, but I think we deserved to win that final the way we deserved to win the semi-final and to do it over two of our, our biggest London rivals as well made it all the sweeter. But I think this semi-final is, is up there as one of the best memories I have as a Spurs fan and probably only eclipsed by another semi-final that occurred recently in Amsterdam. I wonder on the flip side where this ranks in terms of your most humiliating memories as an Arsenal fan. Is this worse because it's against a rival or is something like the the manner in which you lost to Birmingham, say, in in the Carling Cup final, more embarrassing than, than something like this? Um, no, I think this is as bad as it gets, to be honest, with Spurs. Um, you just never want to see your rivals win anything or do well. You don't want them to do too badly because then it's that you, you kind of don't have the the, uh, the points to uh, to have the banter. But yeah, that this was this is probably the most humiliated I've felt an Arsenal fan for a long time. I mean, I've seen some terrible, 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 terrible results um, in my time as a fan, but. But this is just one that stays in the memory. You don't, it's the 8-2 as well against United. You, you don't want these headline stats. I can't remember, for example, Chelsea having a game that stands out of the memory that was really, 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 really bad. I can remember Arsenal having 6-0 losses and 5-0 losses and just terrible, terrible results against bigger teams or important games. And to be honest, most of them came on under Arsene Wenger. So... You have to question his legacy against the big teams. You have to, apart from maybe the early days um, and and the early two thousands, um, it was it was very embarrassing. The games like Birmingham and the final were were just unlucky. They were again, it was the mentality, but you just thought, you know, on another day we play that again, we probably do win it. But we, you know, you, you don't have another chance, and and you have to take those chances. So let's be honest, we only. We only lost those two finals of those League's Cups within those few years, but then we never really got to a final, I believe, till till probably the one in the, the 2014 FA Cup final. You know, we were getting to semi-finals in 2009 of the Champions League. We were getting near the FA Cup, but we didn't quite get over the line. So we didn't have those expectations because we didn't get to that point. Um, but no, all credit to Spurs with that, that year. They were, um, It had been coming, I'm sure for them to get a trophy but it, it's it's hilarious in a way you think hold on a sec that team was decent not great and they won this trophy albeit however it ranks in terms of the major domestic and, and European competitions yet the teams they've had since then have been you know some of the iterations of that Spurs team have been amazing I still don't think this team is their best team on paper I think one of the the one with Harry Redknapp you know with the Modric and the Bale and a kind of uh Van der Vaart, that whole dream team as such, that, you know, they're the ones who you think definitely going to win a League Cup, probably could win an FA Cup, probably could even challenge for a league title. Um, yet it was the team of um, last season that were the ones that got to that Champions League final. And uh, funny story for you, I was speaking about it with another, can you call a friend Spurs, Spurs friend? I'm not sure. Can you call someone who's a Spurs fan a friend? I guess. Someone who I know who's a Spurs fan, who is a friend as well. Um, they, I was messaging him. I'd got the message written just to be like, ah, unlucky. It's you've done really well, well done this season, and more scored, and I collapsed. It was a blur. I, I just, I fell to the floor, and all I could hear was the celebrations, and everyone could see that I was typing on the group that message. I crossed it off, and they said, "What were you about to say?" <laughs> and uh, that sort of memory stick, that sticks in the memory. That is 
it's what they call in psychology flashbulb memory when something's such a big incident or something traumatic like that um those moments stick in your mind and unfortunately spurs is mine um but luckily i also have some nice arsenal ones like ramsey's winner um in a cup final with a trophy um, a proper trophy to remember so i'm sure spurs fans can't quite have that um can't quite relate to that but that's that's my equal example i suppose it's funny though what you say about and you know i think about this all the time that it was this collection of players that won a trophy with spurs whereas that that Redknapp team, as you mentioned, with Modric and Van der Vaart and Bale and Adebayor, didn't win one. And the, the, the great Pochettino side didn't win one. And in a way, it shows how this obsession with winning trophies, Ramos isn't particularly fondly remembered. A lot of these players who played in this game and in, in the final against Chelsea aren't particularly fondly remembered, certainly not as much as some of the other players we've just mentioned who played for later teams. And yet they are the ones who won a trophy. And it, it just goes to show that sometimes winning a trophy isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all. It, it didn't lead to a, a glorious reign for one day Ramos. And you look at people, you know, Birmingham beating you in that, in that League Cup final or Wigan beating Manchester City. But look at where both of those clubs are now. And yeah, on the one hand, you think, you know, th- does it make Ramos a better Spurs manager than Pochettino just because he won a Carling Cup? Probably not. Um, so it does go to show how the whole obsession with, with trophies and how Pochettino wasn't deemed a success at Spurs because he hadn't won one in a way doesn't stand up to scrutiny. But also it shows how, you know, it shows how funny football can be, that sometimes it isn't necessarily the best teams that, that win a trophy. And, and these things can it can just be a team's year sometimes and, and other years it's it's not. And yeah, at that time, Ramos was a serial winner. And to be honest, I think we could have won the UEFA Cup that year as well. We went out on penalties to PSV Eindhoven, Heredio Gomez saving a Jermaine Genus penalty to knock us out. He would then come to us the next season. Um, but I think the, the, the way the momentum was going that year and Ramos's experience in the UEFA Cup, he'd knocked us out with Sevilla the, the season before, that if we'd got past that, we could have gone and won the UEFA Cup that year as well. But once we had nothing to play for that season, the, the, the results and performances rather petered out and then we lost players over the summer and, and something all seemed to to go wrong. But it'll be interesting to see when we do win a trophy again and whether it is, you know, a team that could be considered as good as the teams that, that Redknapp and, and Pochettino had. I mean, I don't think Redknapp ever got anywhere near as the level of criticism he should have done for not winning a trophy with that team when you consider all the criticism that Pochettino got for not winning a trophy. But yeah, until someone else can do it, hopefully Jose Mourinho, Juan de Ramos is the, the last Spurs manager to win a trophy and, and this semi-final was the night that made it possible. You did say when win a trophy. Are you sure you don't mean if they win a trophy again? When we win the uh, the, the Premier League next season. Oh, Mourinho. we've got it on tape. This will be... Until then, this is the last time Spurs won a trophy, but it's coming around soon. It, 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 I think it would seem quite Spursy for us to win a trophy again under Mourinho because, I mean, we won a trophy with George Graham, didn't we, at uh, the, the League Cup? I think our last, our last two trophies we won were League Cups under George Graham and one day Ramos, neither of whom are managers that have gone down particularly you know, George Graham was a former Arsenal manager. One day Ramos hasn't really, you know, he had a brief stint at Real Madrid after he was with Tottenham, which is another bizarre story. The fact that he went on to manage Real Madrid for a bit. Um, 
shows how highly he was still regarded in Spain. I don't know where he is now. Um, but then we didn't win anything with with Redknapp and Pochettino or Yol or managers who were more beloved. So may, you know, maybe it is we, we, we'll only win trophies with rather unpopular managers. Maybe that's just how we're going to do things from now on. We'll win, a, we'll win a Curling Cup or Capital One Cup or no Carabao Cup. Can't keep up with the sponsorships. We'll win the Carabao Cup next season with Mourinho and then that will be our last trophy for another 20 or so years. Oh, you mean the Littlewoods Cup? <laughs> the Milk Cup. Milk Cup. Do love a bit of milk. 